You're listening to the Thousand Hills Podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about the topic of homosexuality and Christianity. Does the Bible even really talk about this? And what position should we hold as Christians in all of this today? So, what we've said to this point, I don't feel is very controversial amongst this room. don't feel it's very controversial amongst many conservative Christian ranks, right? But we have to go into application. And this is where we get spicy on our end. So prepare, guys. Okay, if there are questions about any of this, again, come talk to me. I'm not looking to just dictate. We want to have a conversation here. But the questions that spurred this on um, are valid. And here's the first one. It was, can a person be saved if they are living in a homosexual relationship or in a lifestyle, right? Can they be saved if they are homosexual? Very, very loaded question. The answer is yes. Absolutely they can be saved, Right? If someone is in a homosexual relationship, they can be saved. If, if I saw a gay couple, I would absolutely invite them to church, right? And I would demand that my church uh, respect the facts that they were asking questions and were willing to come into our church to seek and learn who Jesus is, right? I would want them to come. Why? Because this is where they belong, asking those questions, finding out what the truth is about Christ and not taking it secondhand, Right? If they prayed for God to enter their lives and grant them salvation, do you think God would say no? No, absolutely not. Why? The Holy Spirit has never entered the heart of a perfect person. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit has never entered the heart of a perfect person. What do I mean? Historically, we are not perfect people. Nobody who has come to Christ was perfect. Otherwise, we wouldn't need Him. In fact... The people who have invited the Holy Spirit into their hearts are amongst the ranks of murderers, molesters, thieves, liars, adulterers, and a great many other states of corruption. We see our need for Christ in our brokenness when we unveil our eyes to the truth. And yet in that moment, are we changed or are we still what we were? In that moment, have we really started that process of change? Yes, we should. But at the same time, have we changed? No, we are still our old self until Christ redeems us. Because we cannot wash away our past and our sins and our history. We are not capable of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't need the blood of Christ. So if you ask, can someone who is homosexual be saved? Yes. Absolutely. And we must understand this. Homosexuality is not a sin more grave than other sexual misconducts from pornography to premarital sex. Even in the scriptures we reviewed, like in Leviticus, it is in the very same chapter that we see these things, along with a great deal of heterosexual sins. And they are not spoken of as being less wrong. Why? Because sin is rebellion against God. Sin is us in our heart saying, I will not bow my knee to what you have told me to do. I will pursue my desires instead. We cannot treat homosexuality as a more foreign, more dangerous, or somehow more wrong sin. We cannot treat people who feel an inclination towards homosexuality as anything but a fellow human being who has also been deeply and intimately impacted by the sins of mankind. I would say that once saved, that person does indeed face an incredibly hard journey. Why? Because just like the rest of us, the mandate that God placed on them is the same, right? They must now seek to forsake their old life and identity and follow the commands of the scriptures and the lifestyle of Christ. A person cannot remain 
the same as they have been for the rest of their life and claim that they found a new life or have changed. Our relationship with God necessitates true and holistic change, meaning complete change from who we were to who we are being called to be. We can struggle along this road as we have often talked about. And we can come up short as we have often talked about. But we cannot live in open opposition to the word of God and claim to be on the same team as Jesus. We cannot. In other words, yes, you can be saved as a homosexual. You can be saved as a murderer. You can be saved as a lying cheat or whatever. But if you remain in that sin, then guess what? Just as we see the fruits of the Spirit, we see the fruits of the flesh. There must be change for that renewal to be legitimate. Over time, people who claim Christianity separate. They really do. Between those who have made a lips-deep confession of faith and those who have made a life or heart-deep renewal. Those who have committed themselves and their lives to Christ will radically shift. And given enough time, their trajectory will become more and more clear as they begin to deny who they have been. We get into the argument of whether people can lose salvation or not, right? And it's a sticky argument, and I don't wish to have it tonight. But the truth is that if you remain unchanged, then in the eyes of those who believe that you cannot lose your salvation, then you are showing, you're displaying the fact that you never really made that change. The words were hollow. And if you believe that you can lose your salvation, well, then you are displaying the works that would disqualify you from being able to continue to claim your salvation. Either way, you have deviated from what God has called you to be, and you are not of the camp of Christ. Can they be saved? Yes. But can they stay rooted in their identity and claim to be Christian? No. Change is necessary. We had a second question. That was submitted this week. We dived in the argument a little bit on our Instagram, but we're going to dive into it again here because this argument has echoed in the halls of many churches, and it is, is sexuality a choice? Am I, indeed, as Lady Gaga said, the great theologian born this way? Or am I making a decision? Testify. I know I'll get my glitter out. I find this to be really unfortunate that the church has seemed to um, be determined to die on this particular hill, and I'll tell you why. There have been so many Christians, who I've seen even personally, who feel compelled to seek scientific backing for their stance that sexuality is a choice, and not intertwined with our identity when we are born, that they begin to shift in their priority. They begin to turn in their priority. They seem to now want to win an argument rather than win a soul. I'll tell you guys what my stance is. Who cares? On this particular, and again, this might get me canceled, like I said. Who cares? And I'll tell you why. I'm uninterested in this argument because this is paramount. This is equal to saying, I, as a firefighter, drove up and saw this house in flames and the trees around it in the forest in flames. And I decided to stop my truck, get out, and go, hey, buddy. See that house? It was on fire. And that fire jumped over and caught the trees on fire. So now the forest is on fire. But the house was on fire first. And my buddy going, whoa, whoa, okay, bigot. The forest was on fire clearly. And that spread to the house. And now the house is on fire. 
My God, get with the 21st century. Does it matter? No, the house is on fire, guys. The house is on fire. Maybe we should put out the fire. Maybe we should evacuate the people, right? I'm not saying we can't argue this or have discussions about it, but is it really the point? Should this be the point of emphasis as Christians? I don't think so, no. Why? Because by the time they finish that argument, that fire has gone out, along with half the state of Oregon and everyone inside. If someone cannot be born gay, you know what that means? It means that they have been corrupted by those around them and wounded by them. It means they've been misled by them. It means they've even maybe intentionally been led into a lifestyle that has now become a major part of their self-identity and stands as a barrier between them and Christ. I, I would not want to have to answer to God for that, frankly. And if someone can be born gay, then guess what? This is outside the perfect design of God. Just like a child born with cancer, this is the result of the sin of Adam and Eve that has now infected the world around this child's. This is the consequences of living in our sin-soaked world that chose to disobey God. And now we suffer endless afflictions for straying from God of our own decision, of our own making. Whichever it may be, this should not be a source of division amongst us, especially within the church. This should not separate us. This topic should not be between two camps of born that way, not born that way, born that way, not born that way, while we allow the people to perish. No, rather when we look at this, one of two things, whatever it may be, whatever is true, uh, it should hit home with us, right? This should be a gathering point for us. Why? Because guess what? We're also not perfect. We're also sinful in our own ways. We have our own proclivities and stuff, right? And, and, and what is that from? Nurture or nature? Maybe both. Many of us have things that are deeply ingrained in our lives that are the result of faults of others. Many of us harbor hurts that lead to anxiety, right? Depression, anger, other things because they were displayed for us or they are impressed upon us by that person who took advantage or manipulated us. And on the flip side, there are also things that we are born with. Again, depression is not just something that's learned. Sometimes it is in there. There are people who are bipolar, schizophrenic, depressive, Guess what? It's not exactly a choice, is it? Does that mean that one party deserves help and the other doesn't? No. It means that we all require help. And where does help come from? Christ, right? Again, this shouldn't separate us into those groups of homosexual and heterosexual. This instead should gather us together as people who require mercy and grace. This unites us as humans who recognize that no matter how much we struggled, we require the blood of Jesus to cover our sins and save us from those natural proclivities. It should bring a similarity in the spirit of all Christians. There should be a spirit of deep and profound humility, knowing that our sin is rebellious as anyone else's, no matter how unsettling or shocking we find their sin to be. And again, this concept is lost on far too much of the church. Far too many of us stand apart from those in biblical error, not because we feel that they are wrong, but because we see them as repulsive, undeserving of mercy, and see them as lesser than or our enemies. Simply not the truth. It's simply not the case. The world is not the army that the devil directs. They are the hostages that he flaunts. 
The world's not against us because they think we're evil or of their own volition. It's because they lie under the sway of the enemy. They have aligned themselves inadvertently with their own enemy, with the enemy of their soul as well. So simply put, we cannot shut our doors to those who support or identify themselves as part of the LGBTQ plus community. We cannot shut our doors to those we identify as too liberal or those who didn't vote the same as us, right? We, we need to keep ourselves open towards the idea that Christ wants to minister to them no matter how we perceive them. And in truth, again, how can we minister to the world if we cannot see, if we cannot uh, rather bear to look it in the eyes? Do you think a surgeon would do a real good job if he gets squeamish at the sight of blood? If he has to go, he's trying to commit surgery right there? No? To perform surgery, I'm sorry? Commit. It depends on who you get, all right? You you think a a dentist should walk into the room and go, ah, I have this huge fear of teeth. I don't know if I can do this. Have to like cry himself into it in the bathroom. Do you think he's going to be a real good dentist? No. Do you think an AA (laughs) um, um, sponsor is going to do a real great job if he goes, no, I just think drunks are the scum of the world. No. Why? We need to be able to look at the mangled bodies and perform needed life-saving surgery. We need to be able to look at the cavities and those British-looking teeth and be able to help people, right? That's right, I don't like the UK. Keep your politics over there and your taxes. If we cannot look somebody who is down and out in the eyes, how can we help them? The truth is Christ needs us to be able to look at them through eyes of compassion and with love in our hearts. And so to wrap this study up, it didn't go as long as I thought it would, but it went long. And again, I apologize, guys. We're going to end with three thoughts. Number one, it's what we need to do. This is how we need to handle the LGBT community within our churches, right? Number one, our first duty as Christians, as the church, is to passionately hold to the biblical truths of this subject. Not to allow our opinions to stray in the face of challenge or in the cultural pressures, right? We must seek to be well-read on this topic, solid in our own theology, which hopefully we're helping to accomplish tonight, and must come to the understanding that God is not saying these things as a form of needless gatekeeping, but rather to spare us unneeded pain. We need to have an understanding of the character of God, right? If someone comes up and says, why wouldn't God allow me to blank? Our answer should not be, uh, should not be, because he's mean or because he's a killjoy. It should be with the understanding that what those fun or attractive things often are in reality is pain waiting to be uh, unwrapped. Addiction waiting to implant itself in our lives, right? And that's not just towards homosexuality, that's towards a lot of things in our lives. Number two, our duty is to seek to minister to the LGBTQ community, not exclude, harass, or attack them. We're not called to agree in their stance or affirm their beliefs, but we are called to love them to pray for them, and if given the opportunity, seek to invite them to build a relationship with Christ just as we have. Because we need to, as John told us all throughout the book we just went through, 1 John, 
We need to seek to share the hope that we have been given through Jesus Christ. I ran across a quote, and I didn't intend to, um, from St. Pius X, a Catholic source, right? And he says that we do not need to respect the supposed identities of the world in order to acknowledge and love them. We do not need to be in affirmation or agreement to respect people and to love them. Not agree, not support, not say, you go girl. But at the same time, to pick up another human being who is wounded and who is equally in need of help as we are and we were. And number three, and this is the toughest one, guys. This is when we get back into cancel worthy stuff. We must seek to correct our brothers and sisters in the church who are failing in their calling to also minister to those who are hurting regardless of struggle or background. Too many Christians have allowed this to become a politicized topic rather than a spiritual one. We are called to be fishers and not pickers of men. I'm going to say that again. We are called to be fishers of men, not pickers of men. We are called to simply take the time to offer the gift of eternal life and connection to God, to whoever chooses to respond to it. And that should come with being welcomed and celebrated, not thrown back because we didn't intend to catch that kind of person. We hold a responsibility as the church to represent Christ well and to submit our own prejudice, our own aspirations, and who we want to sit in the pew next to us every Sunday to God. We've mentioned this in a roundabout way many different times, but again, a truly active, alive, and successful church should be filled with not Christians, but people seeking Christ. Because many can claim the title of Christian, but not many truly do follow after Christ. If our goal is to fill our church with the people who look like Christians, we've failed. We need to fill our church with people who are actually seeking Christ in an active and living manner. And that will attract people from all walks of life. The alcoholic and the drug-addled and the homeless and the abandoned the unpopular and the unsettled, the mentally unwell, those of alternative political stances, alternative lifestyles and values. If our church is filled with only one political ideology, we have failed. Only filled with one gender, we have failed. Only filled with one struggle, we have failed. And our job as Christians is to seek to minister to them where they are and help draw them towards Christ. I hope that every Sunday that I get to come up and lead worship or get to share like this, I hope that I am not speaking to a room simply composed of the saved. I hope we are preaching and reaching out to people who need this message perhaps far more than the others. So I encourage you guys that again as we look at this topic, we stress humility. We stress mercy and grace that we stress the urgence to have these conversations, to defend the faith well, to represent the faith well, and to try to persuade those 
who do not understand what this means yet to come and find out. Amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to listen to more messages like this, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes by searching for Thousand Hills Podcast. Thank you for listening to and supporting this ministry of Thousand Hills Church.